Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Danielle Trisoni. Hello. Danielle <laughs> is the New York Times and internationally best-selling author of seven books. She has been the chair jurist of the Pulitzer Prize in Fiction and wrote the monthly Dark Matters book column for the New York Times Book Review. Her fiction has been translated into over 30 languages. Her forthcoming novel, The Puzzle Master, has recently won the, and here's where I'm going to butcher this, the Selection Pre-Bet-Noir des Libraires in France, which is unfortunate that I have a French name and cannot speak French. And she currently lives in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico with her family. Welcome, Danielle. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here in this hotel room I know. in we Manhattan. Are, we are at Thriller Fest, so if you hear ambulances and all sorts of noise, that's because we're not in my basement in Montana, which is where we usually are, and it's quite quiet there. Um, but we're so happy to be in real life and together to talk about The Puzzle Master, which I fucking love love um <laughs> i swear we swear on the podcast okay good but only in in, in love and right not in hate right right so okay. please tell our listeners about the puzzle master so the puzzle master is a novel about an ingenious puzzle constructor named mike brink who suffers from um a traumatic brain injury that has left him with something called savant syndrome and savant syndrome is a real medical disorder very, very, very few people have it. I think maybe 50 people in the world have this. What it does is it alters the brain so that the person who suffers from it develops a strange uh, ability that they didn't have before. So for example, someone who um, didn't know how to play the piano after they have this, um, when they have a brain in, this brain injury and they develop savant syndrome, will suddenly be able to play like Bach or like classical music, like beautifully. And in this instance, Mike Brink, um, develops a talent for puzzles, patterns, mathematics. He has an eidetic memory where he can remember like tens of thousands of pi, um, you know, the digits, pi digits yeah. right? So he is just amazing um, that way. And um, he is called to an upstate women's prison by a psychiatrist who has a prisoner who's drawn a very complicated and mysterious puzzle, circular puzzle, and she wants Mike Brink to solve it. So yes. that's that's the premise. Okay, first of all, let's talk about <laughs> the fact that the savant thing really exists, which I think is so fascinating. But let's also talk about Mike because Mike is like a really normal guy before this. Right. He's a football. He's a high school football player, right? And he's gonna have a you know he's gonna have a really normal life, and then he has this injury, and he, he you know becomes and for in the beginning it really he suffers emotionally for this like not knowing what's wrong with him. And it's actually, there's a really lovely moment between he and his mother where he tells his mother this weird thing that's happened to him thinking like, kind of feeling he's a little bit like considering ending his life because it's so right. hard for him. And I love that his mother, like I just, that made really warm my heart to his mother who's not a big part of the book, but <laughs> I did love her for that. Um, but it's like, it really, he, this is not the life he chose for himself. And then he ends up going to MIT. And of course he's, you know, the MIT professors give him a hard time because he doesn't take notes. Right. And he's sort of, it's sort of like, they kind of accuse him of cheating, even though of course he's not cheating, but he has this condition where he's, he gets things, they come to him easily. 
And so, exactly. so all of his fellow graduates from MIT go and take these massive jobs with these consulting firms and build, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and those really, and he's like, no, he, he goes and does this, that he becomes a, uh, he, a puzzle he, he writes puzzles for the New York Times. <laughs> right, which is probably not very lucrative. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't know, I'm not doing, I'm, I'm exactly. not a puzzle master. But I'm guessing from knowing about the arts and, and, right, and, and in being general. in publishing, it's, it's right. It's not that probably lucrative, but it really is soothing for him. Right, he has to. Yeah. I mean, that's the point of, of um, you know, him taking this job, I guess, as a puzzle constructor and why he is continually um, constructing puzzles is because he doesn't have a choice. It's the only thing that sort of soothes this condition. Um, and there's a passage in the book where he describes it as being like, he doesn't know how it happens. Yeah. And it's like trying to explain how your heart pumps blood or synapses, you know, go off mm -hmm. in your, in, in your nervous system. Like you don't know your body is doing it without your permission right. and so for him he'll look at a situation say this room and we'll see you know us you know this bed frame and we'll see those square you know the, the pictures pictures and he will see a completely different pattern he'll see um puzzles he'll see three dimensions dimensions he'll see things completely differently than we will right and colors and numbers Color, and he things. Has synesthesia yeah and so right so things appear with explain that because that's so synesthesia is in in the real condition in acquired savant syndrome um you know that people doctors there are um they have examined it and their theory is that they develop that people develop synesthesia which is a sort of combining of the senses mm -hmm. um so for example when you hear music you taste something yeah or you um you know when you see colors um, or you see certain letters, colors will appear. Right. Like Nabokov, for example, was had synesthesia, and he would make lexicons of the colors and letters sort of combinations so when he wrote. Yeah. Right. And so he has this, and what it does is it creates a texture in his mind, so that when he's sort of reciting pie places, or when he's memorized an entire encyclopedia, for example. Right it's the colors that are drawing him through and right. bringing him back to these um, these experiences. Right. So anyway, all of that is to say that, you know, he's doing this really out of out of necessity. It's the thing that saves him right. from going insane in right. some ways. I sort of feel like that's what writing is. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I feel like this is a metaphor for writing. It totally right? Putting is. things together and you just have no choice and and you, you sort of have to do it, otherwise you're gonna go nuts. That's how I actually, I took a year off writing in the last however many years I've been writing, 20 years, and it was the worst year. It was like, I thought the writing was making me crazy. It turns out, no, no. I was already crazy. The writing was just <laughs> was keeping helping. me barely, barely, barely on the seat. So tell oh us about God. Jess Price. So this is the woman who's in the right. And tell us like, so she's a really interesting character as well. And I. You know, especially for killer women, right? Yes, so, yes, right. exactly. So for like here we are. I feel like she's perfect for this. Tell because, us. Yeah. So Jess Price, it was a writer. Yeah. Um, and she was very, you know, lucky or talented or whatever. Her first book did very well, and she went to an uh, a gilded um, age mansion, um, upstate New York, and she was writing another book. Right. And she a lot of stuff happened that's related to the puzzle mm -hmm. that Mike Brink is solving, and she ends up murdering um her boyfriend mm -hmm. who came up to see her and she's put in prison she doesn't she's so overwhelmed and terrified by what happened because as we learned throughout the book she didn't actually 
kill him. Right. Um, but she's so terrified. Which we all should know once we hear about the murder. Oh my God. I'm right. not going to give anything away because you have to read the book, but it is like, oh, how anybody, I mean, we know there's forces at work there, but right. it is so, so yeah. Right. So she's fabulous. And she takes these jobs to be like a house sitter. Right. She's house sitting all over Manhattan yeah. Yeah. at first and then upstate. And she does it so that she can write. Yeah. Because she said, you know, a writer in her twenties. Yeah. You don't and we write. all remember like you just do whatever you can <laughs> yes. to write the next book. Exactly. And so she's doing that. Um, but after this thing happens to her, after, you know, her boyfriend is dead, she is silent. She doesn't know how to explain what happened. She doesn't even, she can't even explain it to herself. Mm-hmm. And so she, there is some you know, initially she speaks to her first psychiatrist a little bit mm-hmm. um, and he begins to unravel what was happening with her mm-hmm. and then he's murdered. Yeah. And so she stops and then they bring, and then there's another psychiatrist. And the only thing she does is she draws this puzzle and she writes Mike Brink's name on the back of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And so that's all they have. That's all her psychiatrist mm-hmm. has. And she brings Mike Brink into it. And that's what sort of the, the point where everything begins. Right. And I love what I love about Mike Brink is, of course, he's like, I'm you know happy to help. But that's his thing. Like, he's like, he's got this gift. And I want to talk about the unpack this a little bit, because I think it's an interesting thing. It applies to writing, too. But it's like, how responsible is Mike to this situation since he was well, named on the puzzle? He has this um, gift, which, you know, he can use for good. I mean, I think obviously puzzles are a gift to the whoever's doing them. It's a very people find them soothing or whatever. So there's nothing like what he does for daylight for his day job is also, of course, a gift in some ways and an art for sure. But this is like he has this ability to maybe help this woman who is in a really bad place, maybe is innocent of murder. And so he feels called to doing it. And then there's a their first interaction is so intense that then he feels like he can't leave and so I kind of want to talk about like what is what's his like what's his responsibility that's such a good question because a lot of it is also that a side effect of his condition is that he has a hard time connecting with people right right? like I think we've all met someone like this right who's so in their head and is so distracted maybe by their thoughts that it's just hard for them to have basic emotional um, moments yeah and he works very hard to have them right because he realizes that that this is a problem but with Jess Price he doesn't have to try it's just this immediate like so good they just like there's something Mm -hmm. and so he feels compelled not only to solve the puzzle, and he does feel a responsibility in that direction, but his initial movement in is that connection with her yeah. and wanting to understand why this woman yeah. has that power over him. Right. Um, and then as we go through the book, he's drawn more, there are more and more consequences and he's really drawn in right. to a point where he can't stop. Right. So um, it is, I mean, that I love that about it because it's like, it's a so beautiful call to action for him, right? It's like, I just felt like, I mean, at first I thought, okay, he, you know, we see him do it as, as like, as a, you know, as a gesture of goodwill, like, like, yeah, sure. Maybe I can solve this puzzle. I'm really good at puzzles. And then it's like, <laughs> oh shit, sh- there's no going back. On right. This. And then there's really no going back. And then it really alters his life. I mean, he's like, there's no escape from it. At some point, there's too many factors at play. He can't. Too many factors at play. And by the end, he's drawn to the point where he has an experience. I'm not going to talk about it to give, I don't want to give too much away, but he has an experience with Jess Price and that's so inexplicable to him. Yes. That it, exactly what you mean. (laughs) In in future books, because this is a series. I love that. He's going to be exploring what that means, that his brain acts in a certain way, not only just 
to solve puzzles the way that he thought, but there's another doorway right. that's Which, open. For, for a man who's, you know, like you said, the, the, it's also it's so fitting that he struggles. And that we see that obviously, I think particularly people who are super, super, super smart. Yeah. Like they just like, the emotion and and also people on the spectrum of course like this and which i think sometimes are related right, right. that incredible intelligence and so he's like the other thing that's so and he's an endearing character there's nothing really i mean he has to do hard things but there's nothing like mean or edgy about him no. i love that about him i love that too like I'm i wanted like, to make a hero who's really really badass but also that you just Love. love right and i love him i'm like yeah. is he around in real life because i'd like to meet him very much um and of course conundrum he right. has a dog he calls connie whose name is conundrum and he's so sweet with her he's very attentive like he's very attentive she's kind of emotional his... support yeah now. exactly and he he because he can't connect with other people as easily and he really needs that the dog his dog becomes sort of his best friend <laughs> i know and it does and i i think that is so endearing like it's really anyway there's and he has the relationship he has with a professor from you know mm -hmm. a, an unusual professor who sort of helped him survive mit right mm -hmm. um the professor who was like why are you taking notes right um, and then there you know the professor was like come up here to the, to the board and tell us what you learned last lecture right. and he can write the whole thing and it down. was like this very complicated theorem right right and even if he had taken if a normal person like you or you, you and me you and i had like taken notes we wouldn't be able to even you know sort of transcribe them right but he just laid it all out there from memory and then the, and then the guy was like okay you don't you no longer need to be <laughs> no more notes necessary yeah you you but that was a lovely i mean i think that's it's a lovely thing to see the people who sort of watch out for mike um, because of what he's gone through and then the way in which he watches out for other people. So let's talk about the, first of all, the, can you remember like the seed for the story? Did you discover the, the savant syndrome or what? So what started first was Jess Price actually. Okay. Talk about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I started writing that story first and I thought in the beginning that that was going to be the novel, mm -hmm. just that story of her with this house and with the doll mm -hmm. and the 19th century Prague mm -hmm. section like that was going to be it and then I realized that it was just too claustrophobic like mm -hmm. it, it needed to be bigger and so I you know started writing the scenes of her in the prison and I realized that's when Mike Brink came in that there needed to be someone who could solve mm -hmm. this puzzle mm -hmm. and then I reverse engineered everything and kind of rewrote the whole book around him I love it okay so so tell us about the process for that like how long does it take you because these are like really intricate right big books I mean you're not like you yeah, know dashing two years yeah it took two years to write it and it, multiple revisions and yeah. throwing a lot away I had a whole different section in it at one point and um you know, I'm hoping that the next book in the series won't take that long. Like, well, you've established like, the world. Right. I feel like I've got the world and the concepts and like the, the major themes, which is, you know, consciousness mm -hmm. and what our brain can do and what that means in the world. And plus, you know, there's an element of AI in it mm -hmm. and there's an element of like, you know, what longevity and immortality mean. Mm -hmm. Like there's a, all of these ideas that I'm interested in exploring. So hopefully the next books will come faster but yes this one was you know very labor intensive and took a long time to write yeah so let's talk about i mean in addition to um, the obviously the medical research about the, the neurology of this condition and and what it can do there's all these other aspects of this book that are right. really research intense um i mean then the next obvious one is the puzzles right so let's talk about that because there's a quite a i mean the explanation of the puzzles the actual puzzles in the book right um which you know i saw one and i was like there's yeah i'm not gonna yeah i can't i hardly can solve this so i <laughs> i am not a puzzle master let me just say <laughs> just play one on your book like i just play one in my book yes um but i 
um, knew that I, that I needed help. So yeah. I knew that I needed help. So yeah. I, um, spoke with Will Shorts, who yeah. is the New York times sure. games editor and has this amazing show on NPR. Um, and he brought me to his house and showed me his puzzle library. And I was like, Oh my God. Right. Like it's so like helped solidify that character for me. Yeah. And when I started talking to him about the puzzles in the book, I mean, he was too busy. He wasn't going to be able to help me, but he recommended two of his favorite puzzle constructors. Mm -hmm. So I worked with these guys. One did the math puzzles okay. and the other one helped me with the language puzzles and the, and he does crosswords. The, okay. the word guy yep. is like a very amazing um, crossword puzzle constructor. So together we worked on these and what I would do is I would write, you know, I had the plot points and I knew that I needed a puzzle there. And so I would, you know, talk to Brendan. That was the, he's the word one. The, the number of puzzles were pretty easy. I just said, I just need this and I need it to have the solution. Okay. Yeah. Right. And they came back to me in like two minutes because the guy is a genius. Yeah, um, and, but the crossword puzzle, the word puzzles needed to spell something mm -hmm. out that moved the plot along. Mm -hmm. um, and so we went back and forth many times where I was like, okay, we need it to say this so that we can, you know, that this plot point can be satisfied and it's, moving us here and then he'd play with it and send it back and then I would say okay no I need this and so we worked really intensely yeah. together on it. that's I mean it's cool that you had this access but isn't it interesting that like when you when you find a need for something like whether it's a political like a political a police um perspective mm -hmm. or a medical perspective yeah. or anything people are so like w wonderfully gracious I'm so thrilled that they were I mean not everybody always is no you know some people are like I don't want to talk to you um <laughs> I remember there was a time where I wanted to write something with the police um situ you know with the police in the small little town where I grew up and they were not talking to me interesting they were so not going to talk to me um but yes the you know the puzzle community is very tight like everybody knows each other when I said oh Will Schwartz recommended you of course they opened up right and so the next book is um the main puzzle is a puzzle box a Japanese puzzle uh -huh. box and I just spoke to um this amazing puzzle box constructor named King and Sound who like walked me through the whole process of making a puzzle box and like what Those he was thinking so cool. and yeah it's very that's, cool. I love that you're already like you're I mean that's how it works right we're already neck deep we're already next like yes. right but I'm I, thinking I, it through and I just went to Japan to do the research and, oh so. I'm like you're like in my next book I might have to go to like you know Southeast Asia for some <laughs> Well, exactly. I know my husband's like, you're just choosing these locations so you can go like have a great You're vacation. like, this is the know, right? this is literally the one benefit, right? I it mean, might how many be, how right? many benefits do we get to being authors? There's not like definitely a, not health insurance or life insurance exactly. or exactly pension or exactly none of those, but you get to <laughs> go to Japan if you can but you can go to Japan to do research. If you if you have a good reason. Absolutely. Right. I love it. That's really, really cool. Well, the other thing, I mean, and there are so many layers that you and the other thing I love it is about for a book that is so well researched and so intense in knowledge that I didn't have you just you are giving us these people like Anne-Marie mm, Anne Anne-Marie Anne who is the she's a porcelain expert and because the 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 reason that this they hired this woman to to house at this home is because the owner has passed away right I'm not telling you this you already know but um and then <laughs> she has this incredible collection of porcelain dolls and the house is going to be sold and the, all those things need to be sort of inventoried before they can sell the, the home. And this woman comes who's a um, Celebes, um, what is she? She's a, she's basically an expert in porcelain and she's a professor and she, 
she, you know, basically does auctions. Yes, exactly. So she was right. She was doing an inventory of all of the amazing sort of collections that this woman, right. Aurora Sedge, had um, collected in her lifetime. She was something of a hermit and a hoarder. And, yeah. And had, but be had beautiful things. Beautiful things. And the por the interesting thing about porcelain was the what I had no idea, of course, and how, you know, not something I looked into before was how like hard that process was early on. Nobody knew how to do it. Right. Yeah. And so um, it took forever. To, to figure out how you know how porcelain was made and so it was very luxurious to own and of course now it's very much more accessible but i'm sure these incredible things and those doll the dolls and so we get also the perspective of the doll maker um who it you know comes goes loses a beloved daughter and goes to Prague to, and to work with a doll maker there who makes these incredible eyes that's the sort of this the Prague doll maker and these, these incredible eyes anyway there's all of that stuff is so so who taught you about porcelain or did you do that I had to do all that research myself yeah and there is actually a real woman named Anne-Marie oh okay and she really is a Sotheby's um was a Sotheby's porcelain expert and is now a teacher a professor um and I she was a friend of a friend and we got together mm -hmm. and she like just gave me the rundown of like, this is this, and this is this, and you can find information about, about dolls here and about the history of porcelain here. And it's, you know, I really went into a rabbit hole mm -hmm. with that one, with the porcelain and with that whole thread of the book, like the 19th century Prague, the doll yeah. maker, the yeah. eyes, like I had about a hundred pages more of that stuff that I cut out. Isn't that, I mean, so that is, and is that your normal, like, I mean, for you, it sounds like this book was a, I mean, as they all are a labor of love, yeah. but you, you know, having to like written it and deconstructed it and taken all this extra stuff out. Like I was like, hard. it's so hard. I feel like when I finish a book, there's like my out files, like 35%, 40% of my, my actual yep. ending book is. And I'm always like, who's going to use those words and something, you know, I, I know. like you could pick them off and put them in. Another I book. know I, you wish, like if it was totally different, maybe I would, but it's it, basically what it was is that there was so much more of that 19th century Prague porcelain Jess Price the house section because it was originally going to be its own novel yes so a lot of that was shaved out I it, then I kept maybe too much of the 19th century Prague section in until like the third pass second pass or and then I'm just like you know what it's really lopsided so I cut about 40 35 or 40 pages more out mm -hmm. And, you know, just because I want, you, yeah. know, you have to think about when you're writing a thriller, like all of, you know, like we do, we want the story, like the story itself is more important than these pieces. Yes. And the, the rhythm of the story was off because it was like, dun, 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 moving really, you know, mm -hmm. seamlessly. And then you get to Prague and it was like this long, slow section. And I was like, you know what? I love it, but it's really, it's breaking the rhythm and it's ruining, it's, it's marring the book, the overall book. Yeah, it, right. I'm attached to this. Piece. I isn't that and it's and like it takes a really like a level of experience, um, <laughs> and that you know that it's going to be okay. It's right? going like, to be okay, but it's traumatic. It's traumatic. It's totally traumatic. That part was really traumatic. It for is. Me. It's always traumatic, and you're like, um, I don't really want to let this go. These are beautiful, and I'm sure they are beautiful pages, but it didn't serve the story. Didn't and you're right, and anymore. I think that is a real like, and that is particularly true of writing genre fiction is we have to we do have to sort of like abide by the pacing and totally plot and those aspects are really important um and so you do and i think in the end it's worth it because the book does a beautiful job of balancing you know these beautiful i mean obviously beautiful prose which of course you're known for and this this really complicated 
a huge payoff plot with these fabulous characters. And I love, I didn't know until you sat down that this was going to be a series. So I am, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear. I, is this your first series or you've done so it before? I, so I, Angelology, which was my first novel, um, I'm just going to tell you this here. No, I normally don't say this, but it wasn't supposed to be a series, mm -hmm. but I was offered contracts from my foreign publishers to do a second book. So I did a second book yeah. and then my American publisher, the last one bought it and published the second book. It wasn't going to really be a, like a long series. Right. So there's two. There's two, right. Um, and maybe I'll go back and do a third one. Someday. And that second one is called? Angelopolis. Okay. Okay. And um, yeah. yeah, so it wasn't conceived as a series. This one was conceived of as a series. Okay. I sold two books, you know, to my publisher with the intention. As soon as I turned this one in, I started the next one. Okay. Um, we're publishing next year. So that is super fast. Yeah. For me, it's fast. Yeah. Um, publishing. But that's another thing through readers love, right? I, well, we're like, we can't, I, right. I know we're like, we don't want to wait. Like I'm already like, when's the next book coming? And right. you're like, oh my God. I just and I don't want to spend two or three years writing right. this book. So right. it will be less complex, right? It yeah. won't have the intricacy. It won't take me two and a half years to write, hopefully. But some of the intricacies are already built in. Right, it's like, here. So, yeah. so, so it's you just don't have to- Unraveling sort of those right. conceptual knots. You don't have to feel like, you don't, I mean, it won't take as long to write you'll feel like it's less intricate, but mostly because probably you're doing less work. Right. I bet, I bet you're underestimating how, you know. Yeah. There's no historical sections, for example. Yeah. Right. I right. mean, there is history in it. Like I, all of my books have history and, you know, the sort of element that I think I brought up before where Mike Brink has the sort of revelation about what his brain can do, yeah. like that's tied to the whole series, mm -hmm. like what he actually is. <laughs> so I know I love I I love him I'm not kidding like I'm like who's gonna play him in the movie I love him too actually he's the reason there's a series because I just fell in love with the character I if know. it had been just Jess Price who I also like but she's not as um I don't know there's just not I don't have the same sense of like I want to keep exploring yeah her. but I think it's because of the brain injury and I think something that you hit on earlier is really interesting to me that he was just a normal person yeah and then, and all of us in some ways, I think, experience something like that, whether it's a trauma that happens to us, like we were one way and then something happens and we're forever changed. Right. And learning how to live with it and how to be thankful for like all that we have in yeah. this world. Like it's really an interesting um, point of, I don't know, a nexus for me. And I also don't think that that is highlighted so often in thrillers mm -mm. so that's something that I think that there's room for <laughs> yeah and I mean and the other things that you're talking about like consciousness like that's that's a and mortality is a huge part of this book and and that in this you know of course it's that's as old as time too right the 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 quest for to live longer and 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 or forever um so there's there's also some supernatural elements which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed I mean you know I think it it pushes us because in some ways his his condition's unbelievable mm. i mean it's, it's a real thing but right. you know what i mean there's so many moments you're like really yeah like people do this this is insane but it's so then the sort of like taking you sort of stretch us that way and then stretching us to this other sort of new kind of unbelievable thing isn't feels like such a stretch it's like a we kind of it's like the way we acclimate to anything like mm. like heat or cold right we're right. like oh it's it was cold but now i'm a little warm. and then and it's like whoa and i love that you're sort of you're challenging the reader to be like, where does the line, mm. where does the line exist, right? Right. Also, I think in the world of 
my books in particular, I like to push it as far as it's mm -hmm. going to go. Mm -hmm. And for some people, it's too far, right? Some people love it. Some people are like, whoa, that's too crazy for me. Yeah. And some people know people are like, oh my God, that's exactly the level of, you know, the vibe that I'm looking for in a thriller or right. a book like this is I want to go places I don't normally go. And, right. and I want to feel things I don't normally I feel. I love that. And I love the fact that like, I'm not necessarily like a fantasy reader and this isn't a fantasy at all, but I don't necessarily always, but, but once in a while somebody puts a book in your hands mm -hmm. and it's like not what you thought you were expecting. And it just is like, but it's, if you don't, you know, if you don't read sort of outside a box, I feel like then mm. you, that's when you get those experiences that are right. so moving. And this is when you fall in love with characters who you're like, if you, if you find my ring, can you just like send them my way? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to actually, he's going to go my way first because I've been imagining him for a long I know, time, I'll but bet. I will then you, I appreciate I it. I love, you. yeah, thanks. Okay, good. I'll take a hand-me-down. I'll take a hand-me-down, my ring. Okay. I'm not too proud. <laughs> I love it. Well, can you tell us like, um, more a little bit more about the second book or are sure you... yeah totally so um it's called the puzzle box okay and mike is um basically he uh there's this very famous contest in japan um to open a puzzle box that was made in the 19th century by the japanese emperor meiji okay. um he had this elaborate so it's a real gorgeous, thing Oh, okay, okay, fair. <laughs> I'm history, so I'm like, I'm gonna set it up like it's real. Yeah. But the thing is, is that with all my books, I like to, I, I, I want people googling. Yeah. Right. Like when people read my books, whether it's Angelology or this one or The Ancestor. Yeah. I would like them to like be looking online, like, is that true? Yes. Or, so the pros you do a great job. Feel that, yeah. like it's real, and then unbelievable things happen, and people have to buy. You know, they either they buy it or they don't. But so um. Uh, yeah, the box in my book is made in the 19th century by an emperor who has hidden something extremely important inside to his dynasty and to, mm -hmm. from his ancestors. And he makes it at this time in Japan when, um, I, you know, people don't know a whole lot about Japanese history, but in 1868, the samurais, um, the samurai were banned. The shogun like gave um, basically handed over power back to the emperor the emperor was not in power and he the emperor since that point on to even now or actually till this is getting a little convoluted but until like you know 1944 in the second world war ruled japan mm -hmm. so when this item was put in this box it was of a, a great historical um significance mm -hmm. and then the emperor never opened it the person who made the box died and it, no one can open it so every 12 years, the imperial family invites the most famous puzzle this. constructor to I Japan to try to open it. Right. And he comes and then all hell breaks loose when he gets it open. Oh, I love <laughs> so Mike opens it. I go, of course he does. Course I he does. love it. I love it. Oh my God. That's okay. When, when, what do you expect that in 2020? Um, September, 2024. Oh my God. It's so fun. It's good. Well, I have to say like, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I brought it because I finished it on the plane because I was like, I saw, yeah started it too late, but I finished on the plane. I'm just like, I was in just another world. I was like, I could have stayed on my plane, you know, and just, that's another thing I love about this book. And I'm, I know it's true of all of your books because I've heard that. And this is my first Daniel Trisoni, but it's certainly not my last, um, is that you, it's a book you'll think about. Like it's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of like moral dilemma stuff that, you know, that really is, it's, it's a fan, you know, it's a thriller, it's fiction, but there's a lot of real, like, 
stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially as we're moving into with technology into the future, artificial intelligence and blockchain and all of the stuff that's happening in our world that feels very overwhelming and um, difficult to understand. This is my, there's an element of that in this book. It's not an overwhelming element. It's a small thread, but it's enough that um, it's going to be explored more greatly in the next book. Yeah. And it's something Which is so timely. It's so it's just something that I'm thinking about too. Yeah. Like what in the world are we going to do with AI? I know. And probably oh they're not going to write our books though. That's the good news. Well, I hope not. Not these, not this kind of book. No way. Okay. Not for the next, not till we're retired. <laughs> then they can take screw over. Screw everybody else. Then they can take the next over. generation. Exactly. Well, God, we've screwed them in other, and so and many other, other ways, way, right? We're going to leave them a dead planet and no art. Yeah. <sighs> and force them to have babies. It's also lovely. It's also lovely. Um, well, um, I love, sorry, I love this book. Also, we, you know, this is the first time I've had another Danielle yes. on my, and we were just joking beforehand that um, I speak Italian. So Danielle Tristoni, obviously beautiful Italian, Italian name. name. And then I'm Danielle Gerard. Which and I speak French. <laughs> so, we're, so we're kind of like all mixed up. We are. We're, we're braided. Totally twisted. We're Dan- twisted Danielle. I know we should, sh- maybe we can switch names sometimes when that we travel. That would be really funny. Yeah. Oh my God. Like Wouldn't it be funny if we looked the same too? I know. Then we could do, but you have blue eyes, high brown eyes. So I don't know. Do some contacts. We could get contacts. I feel like we could make it work. We could totally like switch identities. There you go. I'm going to do this podcast one day. This could be, (laughs) I love it. That'd be fabulous. Um, Well, I absolutely. And we could, you know, we have to travel together and then you could be, you know, you could be our French speaker and I could be our Italian speaker. Oh my God. We'd have half of Europe covered. I mean, I know the Italian contributions very minimal <laughs> i don't know when i go to italy i really wish i could speak italian because people don't speak english as much there. that's true it is a wonderful and i love italy oh, so much me too. and i just me never too. learned and then what brought you to took you to mexico so i live in san miguel de allende which is right in the center mm-hmm. and it's up in the mountains and there's this amazing it's this amazing little artistic city mm-hmm. they have um a writers conference called the san miguel de allende writers conference and it's one of the largest international book conferences in the world and where is when is it um it's every february oh my god so you guys should come i'm gonna come and if you want to teach a workshop you should let me know because there's workshops that people teach and people come it's like thousands of people come every oh my year god it sounds so fun i'm in see i just got look at that i got an invite i was like that was what i was looking for i know okay like, i know well, and now i got it and you can come to montana but you definitely don't want to come in february probably not in it's february the best that's time. when you want to come exactly to because come. it's 70 degrees every day oh my god um right now is the hottest time of the year and it's about 80. Yeah. Still um, doesn't sound too uncomfortable. But it's pretty you, great. Yeah. It sounds and it's pretty. up in the mountains. So it's like it's you know, cool and I don't know. Night cool nights are cool. Nights and- are cool and the weather is just really perfect. But what sort of, so was it the conference? You went to the conference? Or so that did... was part of it. It was during the pandemic and yeah. I lived in New York and really wanted to leave. Yeah. Um, and I did know about the conference and we went down um, and we we just found a house like instantly that we wanted to rent and we met a lot of really cool people and we were like, let's just do it. Good for you. Guys. And it was at that moment when, you know, property could sell very easily. We put our house on the market. It sold yeah. like with five offers in like a week or something. Yeah. And um, so we're like, okay, it's meant to be, here we go. And we've been there for two years. And you love it. We love it. Yeah, I, I love it. It sounds heavenly. It's it's very nice. We're going to have to talk more about that. Yeah, we, let's. You should come down. I think you would really, really like oh, it. I would. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Well, 
you know, it sounds like you have like kind of like a really awesome existence right now. I'm really happy for you. I know <laughs> as a writer, this is not the way it always goes. Um, it hasn't always been that way. For I me. know. I, I know. have to say there have been times when I've been living it. Well, I won't get into it, but you know, the things that you do, you like live in terrible places and, yeah. and, you know, you're basically scrimping so that you can write the next book and I just know. keep it going. I know. So it's a, it's a, but you know what? I mean, this is like, it's the art. I mean, right. and it's so important to have it in the world because it makes us think and it, it brings us joy. And these are hard times. So you, you know, you, you do, I mean, this is, it's not like a hundred percent happy book, but there's so much good in there that is like, I find I get it weirdly and I, maybe this is my own twisted brain, but I find thrillers to be really, there's a lot of hope in them. Oh, totally. And also the, who was it that, um, I think it going, I don't know why I'm thinking of Nabokov today, this writer, this Russian writer, his entire family lost everything in the Russian revolution, right? Yeah. He lost a brother in a concentration camp. Like his father was assassinated mm -hmm. and he never wrote about politics. And I'm not saying that people who write about politics, that that's the wrong thing to do, but he wrote because taking his mind outside right. of that and right. offering beauty right. and escape and um an intellectual space where people can just live so outside of the world it's so important and powerful and yeah. it really refreshes us and i i think you're right i think it's important to like for people to read thrillers or anything that makes you feel that way right i agree and that's right and, and I, I i totally appreciate the the way that you also combine sort of like a lit a very literary thriller it's just a very rewarding experience so I I'm so happy that you wrote this and that you shared it with me. Um, and it's so fabulous. And I'm so excited Mike Brink is back. Um, I'm not kidding when I say I don't have to say goodbye to him. He's my new celebrity crush. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't exist. Oh my god. Uh, it's sad when your celebrity crushes are like created, you know, they're not even like real people, but it's it's good. It's good. He's fabulous. That's a writer's way of thinking, that, right? Like, I know. Totally. He's real for you. And to this um podcast is airing today is june 13th if you're listening to this and that is the day the puzzle master is out in the world so go grab your copy it's so exciting so congratulations thank you and thanks danielle for having me on this this has been really, really oh fun. my god so fabulous thank you everyone for joining us on killer women this is danielle trussoni and we will see you next time bye